0: Hi, I'm Reg Harbeck and today I'm here with Lisa Dyer, who is the global VP and mainframe line of business leader, and Stephen Purva, who is senior mainframe modernization engineer with Ensono. Uh, and rather than telling you myself about more about Ensono, let's start by uh, Lisa, if I can ask you, tell us uh, both about Ensono, but maybe start telling us uh, first about yourself. How did you end up in this interesting mainframe space?
1: Sure. So uh, over 20 years now, I have been building products of all kinds of all kinds of um, all kinds of ways uh, for the enterprise. So I've never been interested in kind of the B2C market. I've always been interested in the hard problems that make the run that make the world run. And uh, these include digital platforms, web apps, mobile apps, API products—you name it—on every imaginable system, except for wait for it, the mainframe. <laughs> However, <laughs> now the audience is like, why is she here talking about mainframe? Well, <laughs> you know, I'm a technologist at heart. Mm. And uh, while technologies evolve around the business cases and the use cases that, that, that they uniquely intend to solve, and they do it in different ways, for different formats, different languages, different architectures, the patterns are very similar, if not the same. Right. And so it gave me... Uh, a view that this is a technology that is designed for these use cases and it does it better than any other system and mm-hmm. help me really learn about those unique capabilities and, and appreciate them as relative to the other platforms I've been working with. So, um, so I came to Asono about two and a half years ago uh, to lead the mainframe line of business. Uh, we do managed mm-hmm. services and we help our clients uh, kind of we do the hard stuff that has to be done around the entire life cycle, running the jobs, you know, upgrading your your stack and all those kinds of things that's non-differentiating for our clients' own business so that they mm-hmm. can focus, our clients can focus on the, on the more differentiated stuff. So that mm-hmm. was my path, uh, path to mainframe.
0: Cool. And I'll ask you more about Ensono shortly. But uh, first, Stephen, <laughs> tell us about yourself. How did you end up in the mainframe?
2: sure i basically started i went to northern illinois university and uh they still teach assembler they still teach data structures using COBOL. uh so those more traditional development paths are still present in the niu curriculum so one day i went to the computer lab and someone was talking about the uh, master the mainframe program which was Mm. I, i believe it was somewhat new at that time um so I said, Hey, why don't I do this? And 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 so I did. I, I chopped through the first two challenges within mm. you know a really brief period of time there. And and I kind of forgot about it after that. Somebody from IBM Poughkeepsie had contacted me and said, Hey, we noticed you did the master of the mainframe thing. Do you want a career in mainframes? And sure enough, what was it? Like three or four months later, I'm packing up all of my stuff to move to Poughkeepsie and, wow. and, and work supporting the engineering system test floor at IBM. So so it was kind of a roundabout mechanism for how I started a career in mainframes, but I've had a I've had a really long history with computing. I've been basically using computers since I could use my fingers to type, and and so I kind of had this weird middle of the pack position where I knew a lot about distributed, I knew a lot about um, just kind of older systems. What I call older, you know, DOS six at the time uh, was what I started on, and and then I started learning the mainframe side of things and. And that, that, that career took me through IBM for, for almost three years. I moved back to the, the Chicago area, which is where I was born and raised and started, started working for a private company. And then almost, almost literally a year ago today was when I came to, came to Insono. Um, so it'll be a couple more weeks, it'll be my one year mark. But I've been a systems programmer for, for mm-hmm. over a decade now, believe it or not. Wow. And um, a computer technician since I was 13. So so that's awesome. how my career started.
0: Excellent. Well, I, I am pleased to see you. So uh, on the one hand, obviously, with so many more years to contribute, but having such depth already in your career, that's kind of cool. Uh, so I'm going to come back to Lisa now. And, and Lisa, uh, let's learn a little bit about Ensono itself. Um, I mean, it's a name that I think people in the mainframe are sort of becoming more and more familiar with. but uh probably don't have a really good sense of of what you're generally doing uh, or and also what you most specifically are doing that that differentiates you so maybe if you can give us a sense of uh, how you, your company came to be and, and what you're doing today
1: yeah absolutely Um uh, so insono under the name of insono um didn't exist until six years ago um mm. it was known by a, a different name and it was a very deep uh, bench of you know mainframe mainframe experts uh mainframe managed services um and then, as Ensono uh, became about as a brand, it took the the mainframe managed services um, skills and capacity and business that we had and added to you know the distributed and the public clouds and we have advisory and consulting um, and security so we have a full breadth in our portfolio of um, of capabilities that our addressable market needs and requires to keep their business running and keep it in safe hands when they need it. Um, and in some cases, help them innovate, push the envelope on what they can do with all these platforms. And, and, and really our goal is um, to, to, um, to help optimize all of those systems for tomorrow um, and help clients get to where they need to be in a future-proof way, where our clients have more than one platform. You know, they'll have the mm. mainframe, but they'll have others, and then it. it's all inter- interconnected. Like I like to call them the mainframe, the modern connected and secure Z, right, mm. it, with hybrid cloud. So that's the reality right. on the ground, and and that's that's how we came about.
0: So it's sort of interesting because, you know, if you take a look at the concept behind cloud, you know, people were trying that right from the very beginning. Back in the 60s, you know, there's the managed service providers were trying to to really turn the whole space of IT into primarily a service rather than, uh, you know, a, a purchase of, of some physical hardware and, and such. Uh, and it's sort of interesting how we've kind of come full circle and now we're back there and, and starting to rediscover the cloud. And, and although we have things, uh, you know, like AWS and such out there where you know really is just buy me a piece of computing, that mm-hmm. more and more recognizing, especially for large organizations, they need something more specific and, and more quantified and negotiated with qualities of service and such. Uh, so that said, I, I, I'm thinking... Um, you, you probably could differentiate in a lot of really important ways between what Insono does and the generic concept of the cloud. Uh, maybe you can give us a sense of of how insono seems going above and beyond simplistic cloud concepts
1: yeah, well, as you can imagine as the uh, as the platforms and systems have evolved, um, the complexity has not uh, decreased in fact mm-hmm. it's it 's tenfold increased right, and so the complexity includes things like how do I manage across all of these multiple systems where my data and my apps and my code transverse all of them. How do I make sure that everything is orchestrated? How do I make sure that uh, that, that we reduce um, errors due to manual uh, work that's not repeatable? How do we how do we get bet into a better position where things just hum right across mm. all of these uh, assist together platforms as our code and data uh, run through them and um, and so uh you know we we focus on a, a lot of that sort of uh you know operating and running it and making it making it run better and better every day adding automation um you know adding innovation helping our clients leverage the the best new capabilities that are coming out i mean every month there seems to be you know a new capability coming out uh either from IBM the ISVs whoever and helping clients to adopt it, and then make it easy to operationalize for them, so that they can get the business outcomes from it. That's all the things that we do. Um, and in some cases, you know, we we help with with uh, with the skills issue where we have we do have clients who have just lost all their people because you know, mm. they, they're future-proof, they're right? They, we can help there, but we also have clients who do have their own stuff. So we work together and uh, we kind of take off the, the the sort of more non differentiating so that they can truly drive their business.
0: Cool. Uh, now, uh, my impression from how you described your journey is that you actually took on distributed uh, technologies, you know, late in the existence of your organization as part of becoming InSono. Uh, and, and really had a vision for the role they were going to play. Um, how, how do you see that that role today and maybe going f- forward in terms of the, the mainframe and these other platforms working together for, for really large enterprises?
1: Yeah, you wouldn't believe the amount of distributed servers that are out there, <laughs> or maybe you mm-hmm. would, um, and, um, and, you know, managing them in, in your own data centers, you know, having to be in the real estate business where you can just, you know, go to the mm-hmm. cloud uh, you know some clients perceive cloud being just hey it's not on prem for in my data center i don't have to have them running in my in my data center in my facilities i don't have the capex costs i don't have the maintenance and the drain um uh, my books and so you know one definition might be well it's in the cloud because you've given me an opex model where somebody else is hosting it um and i'm just enjoying the benefits of it and consuming it um mm-hmm. And so uh you know the the fact that there's a ton of distributed workloads, x86, you know, Linux, Unix, what what have you, IBM I, mainframe, and then there's the public clouds, um, which we don't obviously uh you know host, right? Uh it's AWS, Azure, Google, and whatnot. Um, we can we can have that sort of control plane across each to make sure that the the serviceability is as automated as we can. And we can help optimize things. So we can detect on, on behalf of clients when they might be running um, running compute that's not being used, but they're paying for it. Mm-hmm. right These are the kinds of things that we can look for to optimize both their cost and their operations and, and, and such.
0: So it sounds like you, you uh, have a, a hybrid, for lack of a better term, model that includes on-prem for clients as well as on your own uh, locations. And I'm curious whether that's an international model or if that's a U.S.-centric model or how does that all play out?
1: Yeah, so our, our model, we, have, we are a global company um, and mm-hmm. we have a, a global a support model and we have data centers uh, globally. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we do is we really meet the client where their needs are right we're we're kind of known for that flexibility and so you know you can you can enjoy um you know private cloud on our data centers or if it's in your data center we can help manage them in both cases so we talk about and Sono hosted where it's in our data centers we own the equipment we just kind of um, um run it and the clients just consume it uh, versus clients for whatever reason still need to maintain uh their own infrastructure and their own data center or a cobo. um and we can absolutely provide that too and then there's a, a third a flavor which is what we call a remote infrastructure management where clients want to own everything from an infrastructure perspective and a data center facility perspective but they still need help doing those services so mm. And of course, we have we have you know a, a multi-tenant mainframe cloud, if you will, right? So mm. so these are all the, all the service types in which our clients um, enjoy and, and, and need their services to be consumed.
0: Cool. Now, of course, we have barely touched on what I would call the secret sauce of all of this. Uh, I, I like to illustrate it with a cartoon that uh, I've seen in a number of different forms. See a couple of scientists looking guys on uh, looking at a blackboard. On the left-hand side of the blackboard, it's just a mess of equations. And on the right-hand side, a simple elegant answer. And the one scientist saying to the other, I think you need to be more explicit here in the middle. It's just this cloud looking thing that says, then a miracle happens. And in my experience, that miracle is always people. Um, and, and one of the things, as, as you and I were talking about beforehand, is that you've done some really neat things and visionary things with people. Uh, and, and for me, that's important. In, in my dream, back in 2004, I wrote a white paper about the need to get a new generation of people on the mainframe. And I told people that if, if they wanted to plan the future of the mainframe, they had four options. They could try to move off the mainframe, and if your workloads really require mainframe qualities of service, that's not going to happen. They could just hire people at the going rate out of the market and you know, take them from their competitors or whatever to get people who are increasingly superannuated. Uh, they could develop their own people and future-proof, we've been talking about, you know, uh, hire new people, uh, or they could work with managed service providers like yourselves. Uh, and, and that's always been a big part of the history of the mainframe enterprise computing is having that option to let somebody else take that journey with you. So given that um, you guys have been very explicitly taking this journey, if you can tell us uh, about how that sort of played out.
1: Sure. Do you want me to start and then hand it over yeah, to Stephen? Uh, well, okay, exactly, okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. So so one of the ways – one of the things I'm really, really excited about myself because um, I've experienced in the past life and running, running um, programs like this is what we call our academy. So we have our mainframe academy, mm-hmm. we have our public cloud academy, and we bring in people who are either uh, new career uh, pursuers. So they, they, they're fresh out of college or, or they're, they, they're seeking a completely new career or their second career, right? Um, uh, You know, folks like, Events, for the second career you know just people who have been out of the workforce going to come back and our mainframe academy is a really great example of really giving the opportunity to every anybody who wants it right if if mm. if you want to if you want to touch systems and 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 you want to work with code and and you want to do these cool things that really run the business of the world well then it's really the challenge really is Well, you know, learn it. Right. And we have a a mainframe academy where we teach everything soup to nuts. Um, And so that that's that's a really exciting thing that uh, companies have it, too. You know, the the biggest banks have always had their own versions of academy because they saw the wisdom and and future proofing in that sense. Mm i I, i'm starting to see more and more of this kind of um uh, activity and 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 which is why i I asked Stephen last year to put together and insert into our existing curriculum things that have to do with the newer technologies that i'll call ubiquitously known um that are system agnostic that really you know people may have already had experience with and then they can just apply it in the world Hmm. right And, and so um uh, and then we have mentors who are, are very, very experienced, and they, they pair up with our with our Mainframe Academy folks, and we've got interactions with the universities. And so I think that, that groundswell of the next Gen Zers, as I call, I think mm. is going to
0: grow. Finally. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear that you guys are, are right in the forefront of doing this. Stephen, tell us, what's your experience of being part of that?
2: Yes, yeah, Sono. Having experienced what what it's like to onboard at, at IBM and, mm-hmm. and at and at a, a previous company in my past, I understand that and Cerno has what I believe is a best in class sort of mm-hmm. ramp up program for people. We're teaching not only the traditional methods of of managing, say, say ZOS, for example, mm-hmm. we're teaching the, the traditional methods that everyone would understand now that that does it today, the 3270 and using all of those. What I call the traditional interfaces, we teach that. Um, but but my contribution and and what Lisa has put in place is is to add that modern spin and to really tap into those what she calls the ubiquitous uh, access methods. I'll say, mm. um, and that's things like using VS Code to access access and yeah. bar or using using ZOSMF to manage a system or using using Ansible. Ansible is one that mm. that we're really we're really known for around here. It is is People have probably seen us talk about Ansible at a variety of different conferences. I think that the edge that we have is we're teaching people who may be coming uh, straight out of school, but we're also teaching people who may be coming from those cloud or distributed environments. Mm. And when we show them what it's like to use the traditional interfaces, they're learning classic ZOS management, for Mm. example. And then they're now learning, hey, I have all these skills I've used Ansible to manage some of those cloud systems that we have or the distributed systems that we have. I didn't realize I could do that do that here on zOS as well. and And so we teach those, and I, I developed the curriculum for that, and we're finding that that's really lighting a fire not only in the people who have never seen um, mainframes before, but also the people who have have worked in other areas of i t. They're saying, wow, i I'm instantly able to be productive, I'm instantly able to provide Mm. some value here. And to get to Lisa's point about mentorship, what we're finding in, in recent, you know, in the last half year, or whatever, we have had some people coming out of this just a recent class of our Mainframe Academy, they're being placed on their teams. And they're finding that they're able to kind of cross pollinate knowledge with people who are veterans in the industry, people who have worked for decades doing the job that they're just starting on. And they're saying, Look, you're teaching me this really cool concept on how to, to do something, but here's how I would do that using mm. my weapon of choice, if you will. And they're able to then get an early victory to teach somebody with a lot of experience something new, establish some credibility, and I think that that is just awesome for these people.
0: Cool. Now, one of the things you sort of uh, imply that is uh, something I've contended a lot is if you really want to form a computer person as a professional or a you know, true professional. And I think one of these centuries, computer people will actually be professionals like accountants and lawyers and doctors and you know, engineers. Uh, but I think that the journey from here to there is going to be uh, that the stuff that we learn to become a true mainframer is going to be stuff that everybody needs to know. And I, I'm curious about your reflections, having worked with, you know, both the distributed and the mainframe, uh, which particular skill sets, practices, attitudes do you find relevant to every platform, but especially, uh, you know, that you can acquire well in a mainframe context?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's an incredible question. Thank you. The What I find really great when we're talking to people, because one of the biggest challenges I feel that we face as an industry is trying to respect the heritage of the the, the mainframe and, and what it was and what it is. And, and when I teach people, I say, listen, you have to understand that when we're interacting with distributed systems, sometimes it feels a lot different than we're interacting with mainframe systems. And what I mean by that is it feels like changes kind of flow a little bit more on our distributed side of things. Mm-hmm. But when you're interacting with a mainframe, we have this this kind of heritage of looking at every change with a with a quite large magnifying glass to say mm-hmm. okay what are the possible implications of making this change you're not clicking through say an install wizard and voila the product shows mm-hmm. up at the other end of the pipeline right you're right. really doing a series of changes and each one of those changes be it small or little may have some relatively large consequences so what we're finding is that we're we're teaching Kind of that respect of the system, so so change big or small, mm. you need to really have a, a very very large amount of respect for the the heritage of that and we're getting we're we're getting a lot of that from the veterans in the industry we're we're coming mm. in we're teaching skills and they're learning, but what I say is you really want to learn the most right now is how they approach these changes, how they approach these systems they're approaching them from a from a we always say it in the industry seven nines perspective and not mm. a mm. And not a six nines perspective yeah. you know what i mean or there's mm. a very big difference there and and i think that that's one of the biggest skills that people need to learn especially from from main framers today is to learn what it means to have a, a seven nine mindset right mm. uh, and that's i need to make sure this system is up and available i need to manage risk at the highest level possible so i, I I think that, that that's the biggest takeaway that we're, we're gaining from this cross-pollination of mainframe and distributed uh, learning.
0: Cool. Well, before I go back to, to Lisa for some additional thoughts, uh, maybe, Steve, if you can sort of just give us a sense of, uh, as, as you've taken this journey, as you looked around and, and really had to make some decisions yourself about how to form and, and run as a new generation of mainframers, learning from the past, but really with, with the future in mind, uh, what are some of the key takeaways that you've discovered on your own journey?
2: um so so my my journey with the mainframes has really been that that if i can if i can impart any bit of of wisdom on on the people coming through it's it's to to really respect that respect what the mainframe as a platform is and and understand that we're delivering critical business possibilities in the hardware and and knowing that that it always it doesn't always feel that way when we're working mm. in other platforms so so for mm. me if that my whole journey has really been about learning that piece of things right is is learning how to have that that idea of, of resiliency I've, I've told people a number of times i said my hope for my hope for the mainframe 10 years from now is that it will only be recognizable in the resiliency and the integrity that it offers today Right. Mm-hmm. And that the management methods will be will be very different, that we will start to be able to kind of plug and play people from from one side of computing to the mainframe side of computing. But the only thing that will be recognizable about mainframes is that they're always up. They're always available. Right. The gifts mm-hmm. and the curse is that they nonstop run and they nonstop do their job. And I think that, that if people it, that's the one thing that I've I've learned throughout my journey is that when things work they don't sometimes get the care and feeding that they need Mm. but we really want to focus on innovation and tomorrow's mainframe so things do need that it's a it's a classic car paradigm you can have a car that's 30 years old and if you take care of it 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 looks incredible it runs incredibly but if you don't it looks like a Mm. car that someone kind of parked on the side of the road for two decades right
0: Mm, cool well, well, thank you so much, Stephen. Uh, some great uh, insights into your journey. And uh, so Lisa, let's build on that. Now uh, from your perspective, as you see uh, you know bright lights like Stephen really moving the mainframe ecosystem forward to the future, uh, how do you uh, see that in the context of InSono and your customers and the whole ecosystem
1: Well, we've had a lot of really good conversations with our clients around the new technologies that have come about that we are using um, internally. Um, to help do our jobs, such as what can we do with Python on the platform, and hmm. and uh, you know what kind of data analytics can we do without moving data, and you know just doing it in place, and and you know making business decisions based on that. And so, um, you know the, the the conversation, you know one of our one of our jobs uh, in my team is to bring that what we call thought leadership. To our own clients mm. because they're thirsty for that. Um, There's so many options out there. It's a paradox of choice, mm. and so um, uh, you know our our job is to explore uh, all these new capabilities and in the context of of important business use cases, and to determine which one is the best fit for what, and then share that uh, with our own clients in the market. And so you know one of the ways in which we do it is we have our own user group. Uh, that runs a couple of times a year and we invite our clients in there and we have some mind mind sharing there. Um, we mm. talk about what's coming and uh, you know, the next the next user group is going to uh, talk a little bit about what the new Z16 and, and associated offerings mm. are going to bring to bear and, and get our own clients talking about, well, how how might this apply to your business, to your mm. use cases and get that bi-directional conversation going. So.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that that's so cool because you've already said your your emphasis on things like AI and things that AI enables, and now you have got that on chip AI in the Z16. You guys must be really excited about that.
1: Yeah, there's there's the AI acceleration um, that solves you know that that enables certain organizations, not not all of them, to do things like hey we can detect fraud before it happens 100% mm. versus 10% sampling and, and shut that down before the transaction even occurs and you know save a lot of money all of our own money you know so um so that, that's very very interesting and then there's of course the quantum safe um mm. uh, quantum mm-hmm. safe computing that is coming so you know that the people stealing data right now are happy to sit on it for the next 10 years until the quantum goes mainframe mainstream and they can crack it and so it's it's really um it's really cool that they're bringing that already now. So it's it's a, it's an act of future proofing that is a, mm. a long term view, right? Of where the technology is evolving. But there are other things uh, with Z16 and kind of the associated um, uh, sort of I'll call them embedded, natively embedded, uh, software driven capabilities. Like for example, how to be in a state where you are uh, uh, continuously audit ready. You know, just mm. as an example, right? Security being a very big theme. For mm-hmm. all of our clients, uh, for yeah. very good reasons. So, so you know, I'm excited about those things um, that we can help our own company adopt on behalf of our clients, and to help our clients adopt uh, for their own business
0: cases. Now, you've you've used the term uh, future proofing, and you've also referred to being future ready. Uh, so, I guess uh, this is probably a good opportunity to to say you know. I know this, these are visionary statements as I, you know IBM always warns us you know not to be taken as as you know fiscal guidance kind. Of, but but given that obviously uh, both of you really are right in the middle of the visioning happening at Insono and with your clients um, maybe if you can just sort of paint a picture of the future as you would like to see it as you would like Insono to be part of making it happen uh, with mainframe context especially. Yeah so
1: you know I I kind of have a similar view uh, as Stephen does in that I would love to see the different technologies being being used in a way that's you know um, fit for purpose, right? Mm. Every every single machine, server, device in the world is designed around a certain use case, unless they're commodity, you know, and they do some generic things. There, you know, I mean, eighty percent of the servers on the public cloud are are not commodity; they're they're custom mm. built, right? And so um, same thing with the mainframe; it's very custom built for specific um, needs for the industry. Um, and so, what I'd like to see is, is this um, this overlay of the um, what do you call it? access methods, Stephen, yeah. um, uh, that anybody can use, anybody mm. can learn, um, such that the it becomes kind of blurred, right? I I put this piece of code or put this data over here because. It needs to run a certain way versus this one over here, and it's all interconnected. So I'd like to see that blurring of lines. And, you know, I think the world is kind of, you know, some 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 of our clients are very heavily invested in, in the mainframe. They realize that the mainframe as a strategic platform is going to continue into the unforeseeable future. And there are clients who say, oh, you know, for whatever reason, some of which are good reasons this thing shouldn't run on the mainframe cuz it's not best best fit it can run over here but it still needs to connect to uh our crown jewels which is you know mm-hmm. the data and such um and then there's you know, you know some organizations out there that aren't quite sure what what they should do right and mm. and and my my vision and my desire is for insona to help all of those clients figure out what the future
0: should look mm. like Cool. Well, this has been a great conversation. Uh, but before I ended up, I just want to ping each one of you one more time. Start with Stephen. Anything else that sort of has occurred to you as we've been talking, or anything you just really like to share that you know as people sort of look at uh, on the one hand, and so on, on the other hand, just the future of of mainframe and and enterprise computing,
2: and the yeah, workforce. Absolutely. So, so something I do I do want to mention is that. That I feel that that's a great attribute of who Insono is and the integrity that we bring to the industry, is that we're we like to see ourselves and I believe we walk the walk as trailblazers and innovators in the mainframe space. That's something that I think is is a very distinct attribute of who Insono is. But what's what's great is I feel that we're stewards of the industry and we're not just innovating to to kind of keep it frittered away and within the walls of insono and uh let our clients kind of reap that reward right we've we've been we've been regular fixtures at at, at recent conferences we've been at share a number of times we've been just as recently i was at tech U, um and and we've been at ansible fast and and, and uh, the ansible guild that ibm puts on as well as we were just at IBM Z Day, Z16 Day, mm. uh, mm-hmm. with the launch of the new Z16, we were talking about automation there. And I think something that's iconic about Insono is that yes, we want to develop these tech- technologies or these innovative approaches. Yes, we want to kind of prove them out. But when we do prove them out, we're not taking that and saying this is our competitive advantage because I mean we have a lot of competitive advantages. I feel that we bring that we bring that to the industry and we say hey look mm. this is this is how you would use this in your environment this this might not be a good fit for this type of environment because we see a ton of different types of environments but mm. but we do share that knowledge and that innovation i feel with the industry at large and i think that that's that's really iconic we we just recently received an award with the uh, the IBM Z challenge coins the Z rebel alliance challenge cool. coins for our innovation with with ansible and python that was that was myself and a couple of my colleagues that got that i'm congratulations 2022 awesome. ibm champion for z systems um right. and and that's something that i feel that that we we take a lot of pride in our interaction with the community at large so so that is one thing i do want to mention about in is it's not just a I, I i feel it's not just a selfish approach to do these things to maintain that advantage but we're really just sharing at large and that's something really important to us and me personally.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. Lisa, if I can give you the last word.
1: Yes. um, Thank you. Thank you, Red. So if you are out there, you know, uh, listening to this and you think that this is exciting, you want to explore, you want to work on the hard problems and solving hard problems uh, for all the businesses that kind of run the world um insono really isn't there there isn't any better place than Insono to do that we have uh in our client base so many of the brand names that that you would recognize even if you don't recognize insono as a brand name you will know the brands uh, in our client base and they're fascinating industries and they're trying to do fascinating innovative stuff and if you like that kind of thing whether you're looking for a new career or a second career or getting into something else We've got a lot of positions open.
0: Mm, cool. So, you
1: know, feel free to ping me directly
0: excellent and and where can people reach you?
1: They can reach me on LinkedIn.
0: LinkedIn. Lisa Dyer
1: okay. yes yes awesome. or, or Steven you know either okay. one of us um, great. Be happy to happy to chat.
0: And I'll have your name spelled out in the transcript for people who are looking for you. yeah, great. great. Well, it has been a real delight to interview both of you. Uh, and uh, I guess as we finish up this podcast, I'll, I'll be back with another podcast next month. But in the meantime, check out the other content on Tech Channel. You can also subscribe to their weekly newsletters, webinars, ebooks, solutions directory, and more on the subscription page. I'm Reg Harbeck.